Welcome to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, the show designed to help make middle age your prime time of life by defying the notion that once you reach 40, 50, or even 60 years old, your crowning achievements are all behind you. Regardless of whether you're just approaching 40 or are firmly entrenched in your middle years, it's time to launch your very own personal journey toward a joyful and purpose-filled second half of life. Each week, host Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, will discuss the challenges common to middle age and help guide you to a brighter tomorrow. Now, here's Roy. Well, hello and welcome to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. And let's start with a question. What's your excuse? You know, when you think about it, three of the sorriest phrases in the English language are woulda, coulda, and shoulda. And I trust none of you will enter, utter these three words when you're headed for the exit after being laid off on the day when your spouse files for divorce or, worst of all, on your deathbed. And a favorite companion of woulda, coulda, shoulda are the handy excuses so many of us invent to ease the pain of our perceived or actual failures, a lousy boss who had it in for us, always too much to do and never enough time to get it done, an overly demanding career that never left enough time for the spouse and kids. We all know that tons of excuses are readily available. They may make us in the short term feel better, perhaps even fool others, but in the long run, excuses rarely have ever accomplished a thing, and they're a sure uh, formula for remaining perpetually stuck on neutral opportunity lost. As today's guest, Margaret Bradley, Ph.D., so eloquently phrases it, Excuses will always be there. Opportunity won't. But here's some good news. Dr. Bradley is here today with some simple steps that you and I can take to get rid of once and for all those excuses which are holding us back. And better yet, Margaret Bradley will offer suggestions on how we as leaders, formal or informal, can inspire and motivate others, those working with and for us, in our own families and friends to get rid of the excuses so that as a team we can reach our goals fast. And Margaret Bradley, Ph.D., is an organizational uh, psychologist and a, an excuse prevention expert with outstanding track record helping ensure that uh, companies and teams succeed when deadlines are short and expectations are tall, as she puts it. And she has decades' experience as a department head in Fortune 150 companies, as an entrepreneur, board member, and most recently as a no-excuse coach. And as a speaker and workshop leader to tens of thousands, Dr. Bradley is known for presenting practical, memorable, and easy-to-implement strategies for speedy success. And she's author of the acclaimed 2014 book, Woulda, shoulda, coulda, rapid results, no excuses. I love that title. Hello, Dr. Bradley, and welcome to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. Oh, hello, and thank you very much for inviting me to join you. Well, it took you 34 years from starting your career until you wrote your book. What excuses did you employ to keep you from getting started? Oh, I think that's when I became an expert. <laughs> and when I decided to write the book was when I started listening to myself make excuses. I had uh, always wanted to write a book, and people said, oh, you should do it, you should do it. And I heard myself saying things like, I don't have time, I don't know how, I don't have the computer skills. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I thought, I have a topic for my book. 
<laughs> I would have written it if I thought about uh, mm-hmm. how much fun it could be, and I should have done it if I had marshaled the resources, and I could have done it if I'd just gotten started. Yeah. So suddenly I had a woulda, coulda, shoulda book with <laughs> an emphasis on excuses. Yeah, well, that's great. Well, let's talk first about how to stop ourselves from making excuses, and we'll talk about no-excuse leadership later. Do individuals have different excuse styles? And please define for us a few of these, what these excuse styles are, and how best can a listener determine the particular excuse style that she or he is using? And uh, how, uh, how does defining your excuse style help you from, to stop making excuses? Oh, well, I'm I'm so glad you asked. And people, I guess, might be wondering, what's an excuse style? Because I've used the uh, term to say, what's your tendency to make excuses? What kinds of situations do you yeah. are you most likely to make them? And how likely are you to tolerate the excuses of other people? And in woulda, coulda, shoulda, I have an extensive uh, excuse style indicator, but you can kind of guess at your own style just with the descriptions. So the first one is, are you an excuse conquistador? (laughs) (laughs) I beg you for laughing. Uh, (laughs) The uh, excuse conquistador is the kind of person who says things like, plan the work, work the plan. These handy little uh, jingles. (laughs) Do it now. No excuses. Don't talk back. Uh, You know, here's here's the uh, policy. It's not open for discussion, much less excuses. And I think people who are excuse conquistadors kind of gravitate, fortunately for us, to jobs like pilot or engineer or... Um, the military is a great example of excuse conquistador leaders. They're yeah. decisive, they're serious, and they don't make excuses, and they certainly don't like to listen to them. And they don't have time for anyone who does. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well put. And if, if that sort of feels like, oh, that's interesting, but that's not me, yeah. the next style is an ex- situational excuser. Oh, and instead of saying, work, plan the work, work the plan, that would be somebody who would say, fairly often, it depends. Because <laughs> a situational excuser really makes some excuses, but they, they think about it. It depends upon the situation. What are the facts? And then if they can't avoid making an excuse, they do. And, in fact, yeah. I have a, an example I'd love to share. Um, oh, sure. Uh, football player, Larry Cole, who was with the Dallas Cowboys a long time ago, was quoted as saying, anyone can have an off decade, um, which I thought was a wonderful excuse. <laughs> they would be football sort of... players only have about a decade-long career, so if they take a decade off, they've <laughs> <laughs> they got a problem. Yeah. <laughs> that excuse doesn't hold water, does it? Yeah. <laughs> So, um, situational excuser would be, you sometimes make excuses, but you kind of weigh the facts and, and think about it before you do. Yeah. And the last category of excusers or excuse styles is what I call an excuse optimizer. <laughs> that sounds, that sounds <laughs> <Thank> positive <you>. anyway. <laughs> 
Well, that's trying to, as you said, not think about the bad things, but think about the good things that can happen when we don't have excuses. And an excuse optimizer is really, I would say, open to new experiences. They're okay with breaking the rules if they think that they have got a good reason to do it. Oh. And they're okay with making an excuse if they're in mind, in their own mind, they think, oh, go for it. Yeah. Sort of the, it's better to ask for forgiveness than it is to ask for permission kind of person. Yeah. And I think that, um, the quote from Marilyn Monroe is typical of an excuse optimizer, and she was quoted as saying, did you ever notice that what the hell is usually the right answer? Go for it. Do it. <laughs> if yeah, it doesn't work, then I'll make an excuse. That's great, except you're optimizing your own benefit and not necessarily thinking about the benefit of others. <laughs> exactly. So they're, just as you pointed out, they're definitely pros and cons to each style. Yeah. And you probably, a lot of people don't really decide have one preference or another, but the reason that I, I'm so glad that you asked about it is that I think just an awareness yeah. that people have different styles, and as you just pointed out, it's important not to just know yours, but to think about the style of somebody else. Yeah, that's so true. And it that, uh, makes it so much easier to understand why people are backing off from well, in fact, I had a, a lovely experience the other day. I was out at a meeting, and somebody came up who looked vaguely familiar, and she said, oh, she said, I'm glad to see you again. I was, um, I read your book, and <laughs> she said, my husband wants to meet you. No. And I thought, well, that's interesting. <laughs> and she said that she and her husband both looked, took the excuse style quiz and they looked at their own excuse styles and they had been talking for three years that, oh, we want to buy a house, we want to buy a house. And they'd never done it. It was one excuse after another. She said, we figured out our excuse styles, the fact that we both lived in the world of making lots of excuses and not even being aware of them. And we bought a house last weekend. (laughs) My husband wants to meet you. Well, I hope they enjoy their house. <laughs> I do, too, because um, <laughs> you're right. Getting rid of excuses can lead to interesting results. Well, I know in your book you identify the, the underlying reason for making an excuse is probably fear, but you also say other than fear, there are other reasons why folks like you and me make excuses. What are a few of these um, other reasons that uh, people use excuses? Oh, uh, well, I think... Sometimes um, you do it, one does it just out of habit. You don't, yeah. you're not even aware that you're making an excuse. No, <laughs> the professional excuses. <laughs> uh, I think um, also sometimes it sort of gets back to almost personality type and, and how comfortable are you with the unknown and yeah, with ambiguity. I like the, when you say difficulty dealing with ambiguity and, uh, you know, somebody gives you an assignment or uh, explains something you don't really understand, but they don't have, for some reason, they don't have the courage to speak up and ask for clarification, so they just uh, <laughs> can't deal make with an the ambiguity, <laughs> so they just make excuses and don't do anything. <laughs> oh, they do, and it was interesting. I was um, leading up. Uh, workshop for executives who were going through a merger and the topic was managing change and excuses Mm. came into it because they looked at their own 
comfort with change yeah. and their own comfort with ambiguity. And they looked at their own lives, just going back the last oh, four months. And this was not a group of risk takers. Oh. <laughs> These people had not ever tried new restaurants. That's they always went to the same place on vacation. <laughs> <laughs> risk takers. Ambiguity was not their thing. Yeah. <laughs> and I think, you know, I think that what you're doing is so important because I've noticed that in middle age or mid-career, fear kind of kicks in. Yes, it People sure hold on to what's known rather than taking a risk. And yeah, they're not they happy with their work, but they're afraid to step out and try anything new just because they, you know, settled into this comfort zone, even though it may be an unhappy comfort zone. <laughs> Yeah, well, a client, for example, said, oh, well, I really hate my job. I don't like the people I work with. I do not like the company. I Other don't embrace that, the values. Other great job. I don't like the company or the people I work with. Or, or the nature of the task, anything. But I think I'm not going to do anything about it, and here are my excuses. And um, one of them is I only have 11 more years till retirement. Yeah. 11 years. Yeah, <laughs> Long that is. Magically, they're unhappy, magically think they're suddenly going to find joy and happiness in retirement. And if they haven't been able to find it all these years during their working lives, it's uh, very unlikely that it's suddenly going to arrive on a platter. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. A little bit of introspection, I think, can help them. Or maybe using someone as a sounding board to find out, oh, my gosh, why am I making these excuses? And as you just said, largely it's fear. Yeah. What good can happen when you and I discover the real reason behind an excuse? I know you tell us to do that. uh, Oh, I think lots of interesting and good things can happen. You know, the ones that we're all familiar with are when people in a hotel, you have the comment cards, and if you, you give feedback, then people have a chance to make a change. If you have a chance to look, get rid of your own excuses and figure out what the real problem is, you have a chance to make a change. That's so and true. You have to know what the problem is before you can address it. <laughs> uh, I think my favorite example is I was interviewing people um, uh, before I wrote the book, and I interviewed an attorney, and mm. I asked him, I said, do lawyers make excuses? <laughs> and <laughs> you're laughing. <laughs> and he did what you did. He laughed, and he said, oh, yeah, he said, we're great at making excuses. And I said, well, when do they occur most? And he said most lawyers, are, in his experience, made excuses for not calling their clients back. Oh. <laughs> and he said, I looked at my own excuses, um, and I heard from him a few weeks later, too, so be careful about excuses. And he said, I realized I was making excuses for not calling my clients back. Hmm. And then he said, I realized, I asked why. I got to the reason behind the excuses. Oh, yeah, that's that's the first. And he, this is a dramatic example. Um, he said, I realized that my why behind my excuses was I didn't like any of my clients. <laughs> <laughs> and the man was 68 years old and resigned from the bar. <laughs> he said, I don't want to be a lawyer. That's the problem. Yeah, that's... <laughs> so he looked at the reason behind the excuses and had the courage to go and um, start a whole new career. Great for him. That's a little late in life to do that, but it's <laughs> never too late, really. But to... <laughs> 
better late than to be miserable for the next couple or a few decades. uh, Let's sit down to where the rubber hits the road. In your book, Woulda, Coulda, Shoulda, you offer seven excuse zappers, as you call them, surefire strategies for banishing excuse-making from your playbook. And we don't have time for all seven, but can you uh, preview, give us two or three of the uh, zappers that uh, might work? (laughs) I think one of my... My favorite, that was an eye-opener for me, was be careful who your friends are. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> it's been said, be careful who your friends are because you become just like them. Yeah, that's so true. And if think about it. you sit around it. with a bunch of complainers and uh, people who have never stepped out and, you know, they're envious of others and uh, gossips and stuff like that, you're probably going to fall into that same trap. <laughs> Exactly, and, and even take something as basic as, say, meeting for lunch. Yeah. If I have a friend who is just always late and always full of excuses, <laughs> and I found myself, well, why should I be on time? Yeah, <laughs> I think I'll be late and make excuses, too. Yeah. So you be, It's been said you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Yeah. <laughs> find out. <laughs> think, yeah. Listen, do they make excuses? Because yeah. if they do, you will, too. That's so um, true. They're contagious. <laughs> um, Give us uh, one or two others of those uh, seven zappers. Uh, I think another really important one, I guess I could say, is know your why. Know why you're doing what you're doing. Know yeah. what your ultimate goal is. Because it's easy to make an excuse when you just think about a task. Like, yeah, that's true. I don't feel like exercising today. Yeah. Instead of saying, why am I exercising? Well, well I'm exercising so, so I can get off the blood pressure medicine. Yeah, that's that's so true. The why is that makes so much sense. And I loved one strategy five was to perform an excuse audit. And what is an excuse audit? And what are a few questions you should ask uh, each excuse you're making? I love those some of those questions you had. Oh, uh, well... Thank you. I think that um, in terms of the excuse audit, it probably it stems from the the big strategy of saying become aware of your excuses, and the awareness is something that happens when you do the audit. And yeah. some of the questions are, gee, ask yourself. What's the long-range consequence of making the excuse? What's yeah, going to happen? I, I bet Roseanne Barr wishes she'd asked that <laughs> question before. I bet she wished she had listened to your show, right? Yeah. <laughs> Holy smokes. You would think, well, you think about celebrities and you think about politicians yeah. and you think, why didn't they think what the consequences yeah. would be? Um on themselves, but using Roseanne Barr as an ex- an example on all those people who are employed by her show. Yeah, well, that's that's the sad thing. That's long term consequences, not just for herself, but for that uh, whole crew that worked on that show. But, uh, yeah, and to ask yourself, am I going to regret making the excuse? Yeah. Because I think excuses damage your reputation. Yeah. And I think that just sort of along the idea of the excuse audit, they limit your future opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. Will I ever have this opportunity again? I like that question you ask. Because if you really have the reputation of making an excuse, or if you say no, um, it's back to the consequences. Yeah. What have I just eliminated from my life? Um, and you also alluded to another one of the questions, which is 
Am I making this excuse just because it's the easy way out? Yeah. Will this resolve the situation, uh, the excuse, or is it just delaying? (laughs) Exactly. inevitable. That's that's a good question. Good point. I think I personally can identify with that. Well, here's an intriguing question. Can an excuse ever be a good thing? And if yes, when and under what circumstances? I think it can well it can be a good thing for what we just talked about when you understand yeah. and get to the underlying reason, but also, I think that there is a place for excuses um politeness is one of them, yeah, sometimes I think you need to make an excuse sometimes just to give yourself a little bit of chance to think and regroup and then yeah. get back to someone. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an excuse if you say, uh, I can't do that right now because of such and such, but I'll get back to you by such and such, and you make a firm commitment to actually get off the, the pot. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, and I think that that's an acceptable excuse. And I also I, I um, gave the example of talking to someone who was um, talking about a, a birthday party, and yeah. she said she was just taken aback because she asked her friend if she were going to go to uh, the party. And the friend said, no, I'm not going because I don't like the person and I don't want to honor her. And I thought, oops, <laughs> she should have made an excuse. You know? yeah, I have to wash my hair would have been better than saying that. <laughs> yeah, that's, um, I, I love that you you have to make an excuse to spare someone's feelings. I think uh, little white lies that on occasion might work in that situation, so long as it's not going to harm a third party by doing that. But, uh, exactly. Well, let's speak to our listeners a little bit as leaders, formal or informal, in their place of business, volunteer organization, maybe even in their own families. Let's say you're leading a team, a committee, or ad hoc work group, a department, or maybe a whole company. What can you do to prevent members of your team from making excuses? Well, I think there's several things. One is sort of back to that excuse audit. Look at your own behavior. What kind of a role model are you? Because if you make excuses as a leader, trust me, the team will think it's okay for them to make excuses. Um, I think another thing to look at is as a leader or parent or troop leader or volunteer, what gets rewarded? When somebody makes an excuse on your team, do you say, oh, that's okay? Yeah. Or do you ask questions and get to the real reason? Yeah. And a third strategy to propose is that, as we said, awareness is so important in getting rid of excuses. And I have seen people being very effective having a box in which every time that anybody made an excuse, they put a dollar. (laughs) And I saw it as an example. I tested it in a workshop and just... Yeah. Using the word try. Oh. <laughs> and every time somebody said try, they had to pay a dollar. There is enough, there are enough funds at the end of the two hours to have a party. <laughs> yeah, you have kind of the binary system there. You say people shouldn't say, well, try. <laughs> Either do it or you don't do it. Or... Yeah, don't make an excuse. Yeah. <laughs> do it or don't do it. But yeah. think how much better you'd sleep at night if you didn't have any excuses. Yeah, that's for sure. And the or... team would function more smoothly, yeah. and they wouldn't go off sort of on tangents yeah. that where excuses can lead you. 
Well, as a leader, what are some red flags in your environment that indicate you're probably going to hear excuses from certain team members for not honoring their commitments and responsibilities? What should you look out for? <laughs> I think sometimes it's the reoccurring excuses. Uh, I think that uh, what I don't have time is the equivalent of the dog ate my homework. Yeah. <laughs> Major red flag is the type of the words that people use, um, the frequency. And I think, again, looking, probably the most important thing is to find out the reason behind the excuse. Yeah, that's for sure. And use the excuse itself as a red flag. Yeah. I know you talk about... uh the, uh, when you're when you're having a lot of excuses, maybe even from folks who normally don't hesitate to take responsibility, uh, the excuses multiply when they when there's involvement rather than commitment. I think that's a very good point you make. That uh, when you're oh, well, a, thank you. on an ad hoc committee or something, you know, it's great to be on a committee and uh, try to pass the buck so that you <laughs> you don't end up with any personal responsibility. You just critique others. <laughs> You know, is it a resume builder to hold a position? Are you really committed? <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. And I, I love this statement that you have in your book. In any group situation, what distinguishes great leaders from average or mediocre ones? Do you recall what, what you uh, define as the great leader? Well, it's one of the reasons that I wrote the book. Not only did I need a topic and I was inspired by listening to my own excuses, but I wanted to write a book that was practical and that solved a real problem. And I did do research and found out that the number one thing that distinguishes wildly successful people from just sort of average ones is that the wildly successful ones don't make excuses and they don't accept excuses. But I also love your statement, the ability to remove the need for team members to make excuses by assigning responsibilities based upon abilities. You know, if someone really feels confident in what they can do, they're not going to make an excuse. And I thought that was an excellent point you make as well. Well, thank you, because I'm so glad that you brought that up, because I think that that's one of my, my very favorite strategies, and that's figure out your own strengths, and if you're the leader, the strengths of the people on your team. And your own weaknesses, so you know how to uh, properly exactly. uh, delegate, <laughs> not, not just removing yourself from responsibility, but uh, bringing in the strength of the people on your team where you're uh, weakest, for instance, in understanding. Well, and if you have any choice in the matter, choose the members of your team. The family doesn't work, but <laughs> other situations when you're selecting team members, as you said, get a variety of strengths and skills yeah. and experience. And I think it would be terrific in an interview to ask about, tell me the last time you made an excuse or heard one, what did you do? Yeah, that would be a good, <laughs> you know, you always prepare for interviews. That would be a shocker. <laughs> I think that would be a great question to ask a, a potential candidate for uh, employment or whatever. Well, let's talk a bit about your acclaimed book, Woulda, Coulda, Shoulda, Rapid Results, No Excuses. Who should read your book? I'm delighted to say I think it applies to everyone. I originally wrote it 
thinking that it would be most applicable for leaders. But I'm surprised that the people who have bought it have bought it for children, for grandchildren, for graduates, um, for themselves. And I think that anybody who wants to succeed faster would yeah. be someone who would get something out of reading what it could have should have, rapid results, no excuses. Yeah. Well, that was the best way to use your book, what it could have should have. It's easy to read and quick, but you just don't read it and set it aside, do you, if you want to get maximum benefit out of it? Uh, Thank you. A lot of people have told me that they've read it and they and then they've kept it on their bedside table uh-huh. and really used it as a refresher, as a reference. And I realize that your listeners can't can't see the book, but the book is small. It'll fit in your shirt pocket. Four by um, six inches. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. And a lot of white space, a lot of cartoons. Yeah. And I wanted to make it fun to read yeah. so that you could remember it and that you'd want to pick it up again. But I think you're right. As a reference book, some people called it a field guide to um, spotting I excuses. I love how you recommend for teams that you share it with each team member reads the book and, and performs the exercises and then and you get together to discuss it and uh, I think that's a really excellent uh, tool as well that leaders should use to pass that book around and uh, well, thank you, and it's so small, and since people have used it as a reference, ideally, if you would like to buy one for every member of the team and hold and people then have used it as a topic for a meeting or for a retreat yeah because there's it's very lots of things to talk about in the book well, where best can listeners go to uh, preview and purchase your book? Where's the best place to do that? Oh, well, they can get, they can buy Woulda, Coulda, Shoulda, Rapid Results, No Excuses on Amazon. Um, and that that's, that is where to buy it. Yeah. <laughs> and I hope they will. Well, I um, note also that in your bio that you conduct workshops and make speeches and presentations uh, from groups from five to 500, you said. Do you have a website where folks can learn more about you and, and make contact if they'd like to employ you as a speaker or a workshop or whatever? Oh, thank you. Thank you, Roy. Yes, um, it's Margaret Bradley, and my website is the subtitle of my book. It's RapidResultsNoExcuses.com. That's all just one word. All one word, RapidResultsNoExcuses, which is a lot of um, letters to type, but easier to type than woulda, coulda, shoulda. (laughs) So no excuses. RapidResultsNoExcuses.com. To conclude, I speak from experience, and when you think about it, I bet a lot of you can too. By the time I was age 45, I had over 20 years' experience dreaming of excuses for why I hadn't progressed further in my career, why I couldn't spend more quality time with my wife and kids, and why I didn't volunteer for community and charitable causes, and why basically I wasn't real happy with my life. And you know what? All those excuses didn't provide even one ounce of forward momentum or put me on the road to new adventures, conquering new summits, or discovering and defining my true purpose in life. And heck, life wasn't all that bad, and I'm extremely grateful for the wonderful experiences and relationships I had, but there could have been so much more. And like me back then, are you good at making excuses or at blaming circumstances for being less than satisfied with your life today? I only wish back then I'd had access to Dr. Margaret Bradley's wonderful little book, Woulda, Coulda, Shoulda, 
you know, it's an easy read, but uh, your book is uh, packed full of wallop, and don't just read it and set it aside. I highly recommend it to anyone who wants to recognize when and why they make excuses and uh, to realize the harm that may ultimately result uh, to both to yourself and to others. And I'll be willing to bet that over time you rely on excuses less and less, and life will vastly improve, not just for you, but for all of those around you. And thanks a million, Dr. Bradley, for the wonderful common sense advice you've given us here today. Well, thank you for inviting me to be on your show. Well, best of success with your book, your workshops, and your presentations. Now, all of us, let's go out and begin working on our own authentic, excuse-free lifestyle. Well, that was the most inspiring interview. As Margaret Bradley so adroitly points out, excuses will always be there. Opportunity won't. And before we go, Chapter 2 of my first book, A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, is all about your personal attack on procrastination passing up opportunities that could dramatically improve your relationships, career, lifestyle, finances, most importantly, your quality of life and simple enjoyment of daily living. And let's start here. Are you 100% certain that your life today and your prospects for tomorrow as you see them are all that you wish them to be? Well, if so, congratulations. You are among the truly blessed. But if not, why settle for less than the best? Heck, just about all of us will benefit from a midterm exam, as I like to call it. But first, you and I must overcome excuses as to why now is not a good time. And when we reflect upon it, procrastination really accomplishes absolutely nothing, does it? Uh, So let's examine three all too common excuses one by one. And here's excuse number one. I'm sure you've heard this one or used it yourself. I'm simply too busy right now. Well, in response, my uh, simplistic yet appropriate response is, pray tell. What is more important than bringing joy, enthusiasm, and a feeling of accomplishment back into your life? You know, are you willing to give up uh, maybe a few hours, uh, a few weeks even to reflect on the future if you can turn your whole life around? Commit yourself now, not later, into taking time out each day for self-examination and planning and envisioning a positive outcome. Enter each new week with specific blocks of time committed to reflection. Make an appointment just like you would to meeting someone else. And it doesn't have to be a whole lot of time, but you need to be persistent. And if for any reason you miss that block of time, you need to reschedule it just as you would an appointment. And make it known to your spouse, offspring, trusted friends, and associates at work that you are seeking to recharge your life. Don't make it sound self-centered, but uh, explain how it will be better for them as well as for yourself. And ask for their help, because most folks are more than willing to give uh, someone help if they sincerely ask for it. And this renewal is not just for your own benefit, but for the loving benefit of others as well. And then reflect each week in a quiet place where you will not be interrupted or disturbed. It may be a, a strictly personal experience at first, but later you may want to renew in conjunction with somebody else. Uh, because it always makes sense to establish and live up to uh, goals you set by uh, 
telling someone else about them and establish an initial goal to take small steps each day and each week to de- declutter and uh, promise to keep loved ones informed of your progress. And then you need to uh, formulate uh, what you're really seeking in the future and how you're going to get there. And here's excuse number two, and this one I just despise. My life will change someday when, and then you fill into the bl- in the blanks as to what that when might be. My life will change when is probably the most counterproductive of all procrastination excuses. The when seldom if ever arrives. You know, in my case, it doesn't. And if it does, it more than likely it will be replaced by a new when. And in the end, every when in your life may turn into a regrettable if only. <laughs> The bottom line is simple. You never should pin hopes and dreams of a better tomorrow upon some unrealistic, poorly defined expectation that things will get better and certainly don't depend upon fate or the initiative of someone else to achieve your own life-fulfilling objectives. And even worse, many of us haven't even yet defined what those objectives really are. And starting today, I challenge you to begin examination of your very own unique core essence. What would it take uh, to make you truly happy and fulfilled? And I guarantee that it will not... uh, that it will require not just pleasing yourself, but also serving others. No one uh, achieves renewal or happiness in a vacuum. It's definitely okay to dream, better yet even to visualize all the details. Uh, Visualize that future precisely as you would like it to be, but it's not okay to make that dream dependent upon some often ill-defined when over which you have little or no control. It's far wiser to start focusing in upon now in your mind uh, uh, than in your mind flesh out the details uh, of what that ideal future would look like and then begin to barnstorm accomplishment or brainstorm accomplishment of that future, continually seeking out opportunities, then seizing upon those that offer the solid possibility of moving forward. And here's excuse number three, the last one we'll talk about today. I'm just a little person. I just have to settle for what's left over. Whatever you do, for God's sake, never limit your aspirations for a brighter tomorrow by labeling yourself as a little person. In truth, every single one of us is equal in the eyes of our Creator. We all know that. And you and I are not little people in the eyes of those folks who know us best. Without question, I can be a big person to my spouse and offspring by giving them the love and undivided attention they deserve. I can be a big person in my vocation by interacting positively with customers, suppliers, and associates in a win-win manner, demonstrating mutual competence, vision, fairness, and respect. And none of us working alone can change the world, but every one of us can positively influence our little corner of it. And love, respect, and service to others all begins with a full understanding, love, and acceptance of ourselves. And that's the primary goal of midlife renewal. And in summary, these are... um, 
there are few, if any, good excuses, I should say, for postponing midlife reflection and renewal, and we'll discuss other uh, procrastination excuses on future programs, but I urge you to identify, then take a close look under the microscope of sound judgment, any excuses that are holding you back, and for goodness sake, don't be like the old hound dog recently observed uh, lying on a farm porch here in Iowa. Periodically, without moving its body, the old hound dog would let out a mournful howl. (laughs) When I asked the dog's owner what was wrong, he informed me that the hound was lying on a protruding nail on the porch, but simply wouldn't take the initiative to get up and move. And please don't be like that foolish old hound. You needn't sit around accepting every protruding nail source of disappointment or frustration in your life today and don't wait for an immediate crisis to force you into action rather than suffer daily from experiences that are a barely tolerable pain get up from that uncomfortable position on life's porch and begin your initiative for a better life grasp the next realistic opportunity that comes your way or make your own opportunity And may I humbly suggest you preview and purchase my book, A Midlife Challenge Wake Up by Roy C. Richards. It contains a comprehensive roadmap uh, to renew and re-energize your life midstream. And it's available on Amazon, barnesandnoble.com, and through our website, middleagerenewal.com. And that's our program for today. Tune in next week when my guest will talk about why it's so foolish to complain about work while you're at work. Goodbye for now from Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. You've been listening to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, hosted by Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of both A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, and Wake Up, Captain and Crew, Restart Your Engines. You can learn more about Roy and his Middle Age Renewal Training System by visiting his website, Middle Age renewal.com.